Kim Schmidt, Executive Editor of Farm Equipment. Happy New Year and welcome to Farm Equipment's Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmaps podcast. In this episode, host Casey Seymour of Moving Iron LLC sat down with Aaron Fintel of 21st Century Equipment. If this is your first time listening, you can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or TuneIn Radio. By subscribing, you're alerted when each new episode is released. In this episode, Casey and Aaron take a look back on 2020 in the used equipment market and also discuss what's on their horizon for 2021. Podcast number 200. Big time. As you can tell by the woo there, Aaron Fennell's joining me again. <laughs> we're going to, on this bicentennial edition of the Moving Iron Podcast, we're going to kind of break down 2020 and take a look at 21, what we see happening there, and go from there. Good Christmas. Go down the dash. The big purple. Went, yes, went to the home of the Purple Dragons, good old Thayer County. Yeah. Western, Western Thayer County. Yeah. And six and a half hour drive. Took eight to get there. Okay. We drove through the I-80 blizzard uh, all the way. Gotcha. It was a good time. Yep. But we got there. We had a great time. Great Christmas, top five Christmas ever. Top five Christmas ever. Top yeah. five Christmas ever. It was fantastical. Yeah. I enjoyed Christmas with my family, and then they got on a plane and flew back to the ICT, the 316, also known as Wichita, Kansas. Which they enjoyed more than Christmas with you. Absolutely. And they were like, yes, dad's gone. This is the best Christmas ever. <laughs> but they, so I'm going to drive back down there and pick them up, and then I will enjoy Christmas with my family back there. So good times. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to 2020 being over with man it's been a long year been some crazy things happen there's been plenty of setbacks and obstacles and all everything else is going on but there has been some good some silver lining that has come out of 2020 so i guess as you kind of step back and take a look at the grand spectrum of what's going on there and obviously the coronavirus is one of the biggest things that came out of 2020 but i guess as you take a look at 2020 Aaron, what are some of the biggest aha moments you had looking back on 2020 the biggest aha moment this would be a positive crops climbing in price at harvest of right. all times. Right. What time, on earth is yeah. that about? The one time when they should not have been yeah. going up. Right. It should be going down if anything. If anything. Right. 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 Not even staying the same. Like, it should have been going down. Correct. Sure. Plus, we had a little, was that this year or last year? We're in that May, June. We had a little bit of spike up. That was last year. That was last year? This year just sucked till harvest. This year was in May and June. I believe corn was like $2.98 that you had to pay someone for it. Correct. And then they would let you dump the corn at the elevator. Right. So it worked out well. But right. during that time frame, that was kind of a scary time frame, that whole like uh, March to June time frame. Yeah. It was kind of a, where's this going? When's it going to stop type of thing? That was definitely a big one there. I think for me, one of mine was looking back on that is with all the stuff that came down the pike and all the stuff that we saw happening was really equipment really never stopped selling. No. You know what I mean? Right. With everything that was going on there and, and all the obstacles that were in the way and all the grain prices the way they were and those kind of things, did stuff sell as good as it probably could have? Absolutely not. But I mean, you would have thought when corn hit three bucks on the board that we wouldn't have sold anything. And actually, we were selling some stuff then. Yeah. Uh, I was shocked by that. That. I thought we were going to have a long, arduous summer going into harvest. And actually, to be honest with you, I always told people when they would ask me about that were outside the industry, how's coronavirus affected the ag equipment space? And I said, to be honest with you, if I woke up from a coma and didn't know what was going on, I wouldn't know it any different. I would, no. I would have known one thing different about what happened in our business compared to Right. I would completely agree with that. As you talk to other dealers across the country, wholesalers, everybody that's in the buying and selling business, we're blessed beyond measure to be 
in ag because we still got to go. Plus, we're in ag. We're not. Most everybody in ag is not by a big urban population center. Correct. So, which is funny because at the beginning of Rona, that was the place to be. Now, all the little towns are worse than the big towns in the cities, you know, which would happen with anything. I would argue and say, just one point you made that, was it the best it could have been? You said, no, probably not. I would say, yeah, probably was. For the way crops were at, the pandemic still fighting with China, all that stuff piled together, it was, dare I say, half-ass runaway for everything we were up against. Yep. I'd agree with that. I think that's probably a good point. I mean, comparatively to what's, what was all there, yeah, you're probably right. I mean, you talk about uncertainty. There's plenty of it there. We also had the government stepped in and put a big bill together and got a lot of pretty big checks out to kind of start covering some of that stuff. But to be honest with you, a lot of those checks at that time were, hope this is enough to keep things rolling. Right. You yeah. Know I mean? they, it was spoken for eight times. Yeah. But hey, we got a check. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The funny thing about it too, now as you take a look at what's going on is because of the money that came in, a lot of guys have tax problems now because that money's all taxable. That exactly. That's treated as income. Thank you, Donald. Yeah. Appreciate, Appreciate it. That. Appreciate that, pal. But so. I will say, I'm glad you mentioned the Trump bucks thing because I've had three different farmers in this month tell me that saved their ass this year. That made them whole. It shouldn't say save their ass, but it made them whole where they halfway start in this world clean slate. Like the, oh, $6 corn's not here forever? It cured all of those sins for the last five years. Yeah. Six years, seven years. But it also made it where it's kind of a, okay, this is the world we live in. We're whole. Let's go. Right. And that's huge. That's worth its weight in gold right there Absolutely. for that aspect of it. Not to, dare I say, go buy from John Deere, Case IH, New Holland, Agco, everybody, but to be whole and then, okay, now we're whole. Now we can look at updating our 12 to 14 combine or 12 to 14 8R, what have you. Yep. I think that's a great point. I think that was uh, probably one of the most underestimated parts of this year till right now when guys are sitting there talking to their accountants going like, Ooh, okay, well, you're good now. You're whole, like you said. And now you can send back the money that you got back or you can right. spend it. You know what I mean? Right. <clears throat> and I think that's good for everything. But do you think, like, I don't have any blue flags flying on any of my machinery, but do you think as the first 100% businessman president we've had, do you think that was part of it? I've been wondering that the last couple weeks. I don't know. Especially knowing that extra income at the end of the year immediately gets flushed back into the business sector, whether it's prepay seed fertilizer, whether it's machinery, whether it's whatever they can do to get rid of that money and not have to give it back. Right. I would like to say yes to that. Just say it then. I think it was more of we're going to pass this bill no matter what because everybody wants to get reelected. And if there would have been anyone, Republican, Democrat, independent, whomever, that sat back and said, you know know what? I feel like this is frivolous right now. I am not going to vote for that. You know what I mean? (laughs) They would have gotten lynched. Right. Frivolous. Yeah. What about the libertarians? Yes, even them. Okay. Especially them. Because we all know there's plenty of them on the egg Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like that would have been something that would have not made a difference in there. Now, had Trump got reelected, who knows what this next round would have looked like. They might have went to the wall on a few more things just because of, I don't have anything to worry about. I can't get reelected again, so we're going to do things the way I want them done. That would have been a bigger thing for that. But I think the first round was just, we're going to make sure we get reelected. I think that's what that was. I gotcha. So I choose to see that the business 
business aspect was at least some percentage. Maybe 1%, but it was there. Don't get me wrong. The idea is of giving some people money to go out and spend to help that, circulate. Yeah, that's exactly what it's circulate for. Circulate the economy. Absolutely. I mean, that was the right. whole purpose behind that. There wasn't anyone going like, I'm going to take this money now. I'm going to go start my, I'm going to fluff up my 401k. Right. There, so I guess that was, you know, if you look at it from the non-ag world, that was a stupid question. Well, they were just trying to, I mean, it's to stimulate the economy. Right. I call it a stimulus bill. Right. Right. Well, how about that? Now the dots have connected. Welcome to Freshman Civics. <laughs> so, a lot of other things happen. Yeah, that was completely dumb because the people that got their checks in June spent them right away. Yeah. So, that's exactly their, what it was. They got for. their 1200 bucks and they were like, yeah, let's get some grills. And sometimes you got to pull your head out of the ag sand and look at the rest of the world. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes. Well, you got to remember during that time frame when those checks were coming out and those things were happening, what were we selling the most of? Not toilet paper and Clorox. That's for sure. That's definitely not something that we were selling a lot of. Combines. No, we were selling cuts, mowers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All that stuff. Right. All that stuff. Yeah. And the industry as a whole yeah. had a huge uptick this oh. year. Side-by-sides yeah. and four-wheelers. Yeah. All that Used side-by-side market. Just yeah. red hot. Somebody's like, well, hell, now we got $1,200. Let's go get that side-by-side yeah. we always wanted. You want to pay the electric bill or do you want to go get a 2005 Ranger. I, mean, I know I'm laid off, but we can take that money and put it to good use. Sure. We can make the down payment on that Ranger and get five tanks of gas. Think Let's do it. it. We can just go to the mountains for as long as we want to now. <laughs> yeah. We've got nowhere to go. Nothing to come home for. That was a huge, huge right. segment of the marketplace. But So that kind of leads into like when you start thinking about what were the big equipment surprises for 2020. For me, the biggest equipment surprise was that coming to fruition of that 2012 through 14 model piece of equipment and starting to watch that mountain grow and what that looks like and watching those inventories grow while on the other side of that, kind of like we talked about last week, watching that under 300-hour combine, under 1,000-hour oh, yes. tractor. The premium combine. Yeah. Those things all started to really start to show up where there was a huge lack and where we started seeing an excess of supply, where we started seeing real big holes starting to form in the equipment marketplace and watching that kind of take off and grow to what we see today. And to me, that was the biggest surprise that I would have done. And probably the other one we'd already talked about was watching that cut market take off when you think that it wouldn't have when people weren't 100% for sure what was going to happen with their income. Yeah. So this is the part where you throw in what you think you're... Oh, yeah, I agree with you completely. So that's going to do it for Moving Iron. Thanks for listening to the podcast. (laughs) No, I forgot about the cut thing because that's not my world. But you're exactly right. That's probably number one, quite honestly. I would say mid-summer auction results were surprising. Yes, they were. Late summer were not. After we auctioned 7 million combines by August 28th, the writing was on the wall. So Shocking. You can buy a new pair of Wells Lamont gloves or a 780. Right. Which would you prefer? <laughs> right. But again, goes back to that whole thing of stuff that brought big money was stuff that we didn't have access to. Right. Low hours. The other stuff Late that we had plenty hours. of that we'd seen sell a million times already. Brought what? Say it. It starts right. with a C. It's just a commodity. There you go. Very much. Just a commodity. It was a big shocking moment. I think there was the number of machines that we saw sell in August was, to me, was more shocking than anything else was. That number of, and it wasn't necessarily a lot of tractors that got sold. It was all combines and like three heads. Yeah. There weren't even enough, our heads sold to cover the amount of combines sold. And that's usually, typically, when you have a combine problem, you have a head problem too, right? Yep, absolutely. That's typically uh, two things that mirror each other. But I guess watching those two things sell, watching those three or four larger equipment auctions happen, to me, that was one of the 
the biggest moments for 2020 when you start looking at how much values rebounded from, again, of the stuff that was in high demand, how those values rebounded during that time frame compared to a year ago. It was a big jump. Yeah. There was almost a 10% increase in what those were bringing, maybe even almost a 15% increase as what those machines were bringing in August of 20 compared to August of 19. Yeah. And if you want to look that up and you want to test me on that, go to tractorzoom.com and go to Iron Comps and get yourself a subscription. Use Moving Iron to check out and you'll be able to see that because that's where I got that information from. Just go back and take a look at those two things. We'll get back to Casey and Aaron in a moment, but first I wanted to take a second to remind you that you can find more from Casey on the used equipment market on Farm Equipment's Ask the Expert blog. Also be sure to sign up for our daily news alerts at farm-equipment.com. Now back to Casey and Aaron as they turn their discussion to what's ahead in 2021 and toward the end of their conversation they get into autonomous farm equipment and when we might start seeing used machines on dealers' lots that are fully autonomous. All right, so now kind of laid out what we saw happen in 20, kind of some of our big shocking moments for us, some very high-level stuff. 2021 prediction time and what that looks like. For me, watching what commodity prices are doing right now and watching as things progress across multi-level fronts here. I mean, we're talking the commodity value prices that we see happening right now. I think this morning I got my March alert for March 21 alert for corn. It was like 465 or something like that on the board, if I remember right. I could be telling you a lie, but yep, right yeah, March 21, 465 and a half as of the mid-morning alert. So I guess you take a look what's happening there. Going with soybeans. Soybeans are in this topsy-turvy. One day they lose 14 cents, the next day they're up 22. And regardless of how many shipments of soybeans we got, wherever, I mean, there's just all kinds of craziness happening there. But volatility in the market is something we've talked about on Moving Iron Podcast Markets with Chip and Sean. If you listen to those guys when we're on, you're going to tell you the same thing. So as I look at what's happened with commodity prices, I take a look what's happened with this drought situation that seems that's getting stronger and stronger in South America, the drought situation situation that's getting more prevalent in the U.S. It's still winter time here, so I'm not going to jump on the drought train yet, but we need some snow, we need some subsoil moisture, those kind of things to start making their way in there. But I guess as you take a look at all these things that are happening, I do feel like 21 is going to be a year that a lot of equipment gets shuffled around. A lot of guys are going to be updating. A lot of guys are going to looking at updating this, that, or the other thing. I think there's going to be a lot of caution in that and those buying habits and what they're doing. They might not go out and buy that new planter. They might go do a precision thing or they might do a John Deere upgrade kit on their older planter. Those kind of things are going to start playing into factors here. The on-farm income is going to be higher than it's been in the past seven years. So I'm looking forward to seeing how this 2012 through 14 model stuff really starts to play out in 21. I think that's when we're going to see, if we see anything, this is the year 21-22 is when we're going to see what happens with that equipment and where does that go and how does that start shaping what we start seeing happening with the used equipment marketplace and how does that stuff start rolling into auctions and what's that look like? Well, I think the best way to probably do that is as you trade for 12s and 14s, I realize scales cost too much, so not everybody's going to jump on board with that. But when you write your purchase order, you just leave that trade in blank, send it straight to auction time, and then you backfill that after it sells and be like, here's what your tractor brought, here's what your combine brought. It could be like when you go to a, like a fancy restaurant and you want to get the lobster, but it says market price, so you're not for sure right. exactly what you're paying Who's for. Whose market? Is I mean, it my market? What market price is that? 
Because at my market, it's cheaper than hamburger, but it is what it is. Market price, what's that mean? It's also not reach in the water and grab it because we're not exactly by water. Right. A couple things for 21. New supplies are going to be, they're already like. They're already tight. They're yeah. beyond god awful tight for the entire 21 year. Industry hole. Regardless of color. Because nobody saw the uptick coming. They weren't ready for it, I should say. Well, I'm sure a lot of that too was they have to put their still order in. I'm guessing three years ago to lock in some pricing or whatever. Right. So that is going to really bump up our third favorite thing to talk about on this podcast. Not the 12s and 14s, not planners, but the late model low hour. Late and low, baby. Late and low. Late and low. Here for the win. I think that's going to be a big push, bigger push than it has been. I think in like 2009, 2010. No, I'm thinking. What were you thinking? I'm thinking more like I wish it was 9 or 10. I think it's going to be more of a, well, it's a combo, quite honestly. I think you're going to have the demand of 14, where, ooh, we better not buy the new, but we still want to trade, so we need that 200, 300-hour rig. thing's going to go. Right. And I think that's exactly where we're at. Okay. By June, we could be 2010 Part 2, or 2011, a decade later. We'll even get shirts made that say that. With a whole shit-long line of used combines on the lot (laughs) that have very little value. Or this thing could stop and fall out of bed. If it does that, it'll be because of all the crazy weather stuff that's going to happen, which you've heard on the Moving Iron podcast, on the markets. Not with a dumb equipment guy like me, but the smart people. So I could see that happening either way. The drought thing, me personally, being a dryland grass hay guy, we are past drought. We are a complete and total nightmare in the western part of the U.S. Like, as you pull up Ag Day, free plug, guys, and they show that drought monitor every morning. Right. We are almost black. Like, yeah. we've gone from yellow to orange to red to maroon, and now they're like, well, just everything west of the Mississippi. Yeah. You guys are hoes. Sorry. I think that's part of it. I mean, what's the favorite saying that I've heard a million guys say is, I love a drought when it's on somebody else's farm. Right. Type of thing. And I think that's the mentality that we're going to have here. Which we got to live in 12. Right. When the central and eastern corn belt burnt up to nothing, we were all right. Yeah. Even outside of the pivots, we got more rain yeah, got than those guys. Actually, yeah. we got like two and a half times the amount of rain we normally did, which is like three inches. Did so we, we back then? Yeah, oh yeah. That was one of my first years out here. And the bluff stayed lush and green all the right. way to like August, which is way uncommon. Right. And so did the hills. Yeah. All the sand hills were green till frost. I was like, this isn't a desert. Yeah. This is a lush playground of happiness out here. And then the next year was the desert. I'm like, wow, okay, I get it now. Yeah. Get oh, it. this is what you meant. Okay. I'm tracking. This makes sense. Dirt just okay. blowing every day from January. To June. Why is everything so gritty? Yeah. <laughs> Do you dust your house? No, there is no point. For some people, a dust bowl stopped. I would say as the drought gets worse, and if it does continue to get worse, we do continue down that path, which we're in a La Nina year, so obviously that's one of those things that do kind of stimulate 
a drought, for lack of a better term, we're going to see some issues pop up that are going to be drought-related that are going to drive prices up, right? Lack of supply. And what we're seeing now is not only is there going to be a drought situation possibly here in the U.S. that's developing, but down in Brazil too. So this is the crop that typically they're selling off in January and February because we're done, right? This is typically the crop they sell, right? So with that being said, if there's a crop production issue in South America, which sounds like there's a worse crop production issue in Argentina than there is in Brazil. Which, no offense, but we hope for annually. <laughs> We're kind of setting that up to have a big thing. So Yeah, basically put, it's going to be a year if you got it right on, right. but you might not have anything. Right. It's going to be a tight year, and I think your analogy of 2014 was spot on. Whoa! It doesn't happen very often, folks. Slow class. <laughs> right on. There we go. <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's a great analogy, because in 2014, people were still being like, ah, it's going to come back, right? It's going to come back. Or, uh, I mean, how far now could it possibly go? And then we got to feed the world thing. We saw got to three bucks. So that's where we're at. And I think the 2014 was there was that cautiousness that was going on, that idea of like, well, kind of see what some of the cards are being dealt already. Some things are being laid out there already that kind of scares us a little bit. But last three or four years, we've kind of always done it this way and it's worked out well for us. So we'll try it one more time, see what happens. And for some po folks, it was the last time they ever did it was in 14. I would also say this, which we don't do a lot, but hats off to all the producers who made it through that entire five, six, seven years of total shit. And some maintained, some got bigger. Hats off to those guys because it's not like they're just, oh yeah, we'll take that on. I mean, where you're, every day is a damn struggle, but you live through it, you got better, you got bigger. Yeah. That's damn impressive. Uh, yeah, definitely. It's uh, one of those iron sharp you know, things. Just like you said, well, how low is it going to go? Well, three bucks, we found out, right? Right. Three dollar corn in 2020, 2019 is not like three dollar corn in 03. Vastly different input prices to right. get there. Exactly. Of course, you got a little bushel variance too, right. but not like the difference in inputs. Right. Oh, man. Yeah. I think I'm very optimistic about 21, 22, and 23 as to what we're going to see as far as the values go and what that looks like. I am very excited to see what happens with that glut of equipment that's going to be there, that 12, 13, 14, maybe 15 to some extent. Kind of what does that look like and how is that going to play out? As far as I'm concerned, the equipment story for 21 is how does that segment play out? What does that look like? So as a strictly used equipment guy only, like hurry up and dump this and then all of a sudden you went from 10 to 50 of those to hurry up and dump and every day the price gets lower and lower and lower what you're saying is get better at helping on the podcast because that could be a full-time job yeah <laughs> yeah that's the thing about the podcast too that it pays so well it does yeah it does it's shocking fat stacks of cash yep fat stacks everywhere you look if you pile all them pennies up yeah. you can make a really tall tower <laughs> The idea that that's not going to be an issue and, and people aren't paying attention to that and they're ignoring that kind of stuff, to me is, quite frankly, I don't know how you cannot do that. Right. I don't know how you cannot pay attention to that. No, you have to. see that. It's, it's coming. coming. I won't disagree with you on that. It's coming. Now, I do have a question. You mentioned 21, 22, 23, but you stopped. What do you see happening in 24? What do I see happen in 24? Yeah. We talked about this before the podcast. So Aaron and I just kind of, we've talked about this a lot on here and kind of tongue in cheek, more of an inside joke than anything else. But when I came back out here, started working again in the summer of, was 18 or 17? 17. 17. Summer 17. I made a bet there in that five years that we would have a fully autonomous vehicle that we would be taking in on trade, right? So we're three years into that and possibly I could have been ahead of my time there and that. Oh! 
little snap that maybe the 22 time frame might not be the right time, but I think 23, 24, we will have that opportunity to see that. I think as you take a look at what's going on with that, whatever the first autonomous vehicle looks like that's truly a large ag production machine will absolutely have a cab on it. I'm not saying it's going to be a cabless tractor, but... What I'm saying is that it will have the technology in it to do something fully autonomous. And my prediction right now is that in 24, that technology is available in some form, whatever that looks like. But my guess is that 2024, we have a used machine on our lot that is fully capable of being fully autonomous, unmanned piece of farm equipment that's working in the field by itself that you can jump in and drive if you need to. That's my prediction. Long term. You didn't say a thing about the road. About the road, what do you mean? How do you get it to the field? Like the movie, The Road? No. How do you get it's it? scary. How do you get your road. autonomous tractor to the field? Well, you're going to do the same thing. Like you're going to haul it over there on a trailer. You're going to do whatever you do. The idea of a machine actually driving itself to point A to point B, that's a long way down the road. Uh, that's so years. full, full, full autonomy. That's a ways down the road, he says. No. Yeah. No, that's not full. fully autonomous. Is doing it in the field, working by itself without anybody controlling it. It's doing it all by itself. So have to get it there. That's not fully autonomous. Well, the truck that drives it there will be fully autonomous. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to give you shit. The best part of this whole bet is we make it sound like we have a grand on this. Right. Yeah. We're betting like $25 lunch yeah, on this large. deal. Yeah, we're but the bragging rights is priceless. That is. That's really what you're... Which, just to be clear, there's a lot of bricks in my bragging rights wall right now. You got that half built, so I'm just going to sit here and relax. We'll see. We will definitely see if that will show. All right. When he says, I might have been a little bit ahead of myself. But I think if I'm ahead of myself, I'm ahead of myself by a year. That's code word for, you're right, Aaron. I was wrong. Yeah. Well, I was guessing. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong by a year or two. But still wrong. Not a decade. Still wrong. Maybe. You got two years to sell somebody full autonomy. And traded in. Hurry. Right on. So what else? What else is on your mind? Well, quite a few customers listen to this, so I'd like to throw this out there. Thank you, everybody, for your business through the year. Thanks for listening to this. And it's truly probably the best ag equipment podcast out there, bar none. And I say that unbiased, believe it or not. It's been a year for damn sure. Stuff sold better than I thought. Some stuff kind of fell more than I thought, which I'm pretty bleak forecaster. So that's... That's not a cool thing. Right. But by and large, it's been a hell of a good year, quite honestly. No, I agree. I mean, I'd same echo that. I appreciate everyone that listens to this podcast. I appreciate all the people that have helped me do this stuff, like Aaron. I've had a lot of guests on, and there's a lot of people that I want to thank. Like, I want to thank you know Chip Nellier. I want to thank Rich Poston. I want to thank Sean Hackett. I want to thank Glenn Birnbaum. All these guys that are on here that contribute to this thing and think that we've done 200 of these podcasts, which I think total I've put out something like 520 some odd podcasts since it started in 2017-ish something like that so it's been a fun ride I've enjoyed all of it and I can't thank you guys enough for 2016 2016 okay 2016 it's been a fun journey (gasps) next year five year anniversary it's the nickel anniversary I uh, look forward to see what 21 brings and I do look forward to putting out more of these podcasts as uh, time goes on thanks Casey and Aaron we've got even more used equipment remarketing resources that we're sending your way In addition to this podcast, we're also tapping into Casey's expertise across all our informational channels. If you've got a question for Casey, I'd encourage you to head over to farm-equipment.com backslash ask the expert. Submit a question and we'll get Casey's answer to it up on our ask the expert blog. 
And you can keep up with the latest industry news by registering online to receive our free newsletters. Visit www.farm-equipment.com. For Casey and Aaron, as well as our entire staff here at Farm Equipment, I'm Kim Schmidt. Thanks for listening.